Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, Banana Skins, Brothers in Business, Branston Smooth Pickle, Holding Your Breath and Easter. Now Lippy, we've been talking about advertising on Facebook and other things. Something very odd happened last week. We were talking about painting Mm. and you mentioned Farrell and Ball, which is a paint we've used many, many years ago, but not recently. Anyway, early this week, it must have been Monday, I spotted a Farrell and Ball advert appeared. See, it is true. It is true. I can't remember whether it was my work computer or my own computer that is that I looked at. It is crazy. And it just happens so often that it can't not be true. No, but then I thought, well, actually, you said that. I didn't use those words at all. But then when I, I edit the podcast using headphones, mm. I tend to listen to it to create a summary with the yeah. speakers on. But so, you typed uh, Farrah and Ball. Well, I typed it, but it would have played across the speakers and there's a, a Google hub thing in the office. Ah. So whether it was listening or whether it was just coincidence. Or that Mama West has been Googling paint for me. But our accounts aren't linked. Oh, yeah, true. So Unless that, you did it on Amazon. Oh, possibly, I suppose. Or again, if it's IP address. Because apparently that is the only paint I can use, but... I only have one mortgage, not two. <laughs> yes, quite. Well, don't worry. I'll stand up for trade magnolia. Thank you. No, not magnolia. We're going off-white. Okay, off-white magnolia. <laughs> anyway, we talked about banana skins for some reason. I think we got somewhat sidetracked. Most likely uh, that using why. them for plant food, putting them at the mm. bottom of the plants. Well, I did, earlier today, I saw um, a little piece on using banana skins to make up feed for plants and basically get a jar put some banana skins in it fill it up with water leave it for a couple of days you can then put the banana skins on the compost heap and then pour the water on the roots of particularly vegetables and fruit trees and it it does them the world of good there's something in it and i can't remember what it Mm. is but it's obviously very very good for them so don't necessarily need to throw your banana skins away no i actually see they're I feel like they would be quite nutritious as well because they keep the banana pretty fresh for pretty long. For quite a long time, so, you're right. Yeah. yeah. There must be some sort of nutrition in them to keep the banana perky and yellow. <laughs> yes, indeed. Interesting, we had a, a very last-minute WhatsApp message from Davros and uh, he was talking about banana skins and this thing called banana dine. So college friends fell for this one. Mm. So scrape the inside of the banana skin dry, add to tobacco and smoke. It's not, doesn't make anything happen apart from you get a jolly good sore throat, apparently. And presumably everybody laughs at yes. their friends yeah. suffering. So that's a little bit cruel. But that is definitely on the Davros scale mm-hmm. of um, wreaking havoc. It definitely is. But I saw something crazy about banana skin. Someone's died from slipping on a banana skin. Really? Yeah. In Tennessee, in 1927, it's on their death certificate that they slipped on a banana skin. Slipped on a banana skin. Well, so that's one. That's one person. Still, though, he died. Like, that's quite (laughs) aggressive. What? That's not just like he slipped and it was comical, like you see in the cartoons. Like, he died. Yeah, but I think it needs a bit of context. Yeah, probably. 
I didn't read that far. I just saw the fact someone had died from it and was like, that's proving my Yeah, well, to be on the death certificate is, mm. yes. Unless he fell face first into it and suffocated. But then I suppose that'd be suffocation, wouldn't it? So, mm. Yes, I'll stop rambling on about that. <laughs> Davos also says, try Line of Duty Bingo, which I think we may have touched on last week. And um, I watched the one on Sunday and was listening out for the term sucking diesel and it didn't appear at all. So I don't, I don't, I can't recall ever having heard it, but it's doing the rounds. So it must have been said at some point. But Davos also welcomes back what he calls event TV. So where you're not binge watching that. And he's right. It's really nice having a series that everybody looks forward to Mm. at the same time. I agree. Very good indeed. He also mentions a urban myth that a duck's quack does not produce an echo. Is it interesting? If you've heard it, it's not true. It's an urban myth. Okay. I've never heard that, to be honest. No, I haven't heard that either. And quite why somebody would start spreading that sort of idle gossip about ducks, I don't know. (laughs) Fake echo. (laughs) Fake echo. But I'm still smiling about the laughing duck, I have Mm, to say. Definitely. It still tickles me. I'm thinking of putting the, um, the laughing duck as my ringtone on my phone <laughs> well, not that anybody ever rings me well because when someone does ring you you're probably in hysterics and won't be able to answer the phone because you're laughing so much at the duck well if, if my phone rings i'm normally in shock yeah. mind you it's normally somebody saying have i had an accident so uh, yes i have actually due to my ringtone yes <laughs> and we've had quite a long missive from the screen missive yes i used that term <laughs> earlier on you missive it's a missive if you don't mind from the Screaming Tomato down under. And he says, you two talk a lot about Audi. Well, to be honest, I don't. Lippy does. I love Audi so much. Yes, I mean, the Audis for us are too far to make it worthwhile unless Mm. it's a special occasion. And he says, but it sounds a bit different. Oh, sorry, he shops there too, but Mm. it sounds a bit different from your experience. So I can only imagine he's got the... The ability to go into Audi and not buy a plastic trombone and a sea propagator and a, some sort of drill case and all the bits in the middle that you don't really need but could be really useful. Yeah, well, when we went into Audi, when I had first moved into my flat and you guys came to visit, this was back in like 2019... And we went in just to pick up some bits and you ended up buying some fencing and two massive tubs for flower pots. Yes, yes, we did. Yes, I actually, funny enough, went to inspect those earlier because I got some seeds to go in there. And uh, I seem to have managed to somehow grow some spring onions in one of them. Uh, I must have dropped some seeds in there. That's quite funny. Yes, we're going to... Hoover those out shortly. I do feel like Aldi do know how much I love them though, because they're they're building a new one where my new house is. So they must have known. Oh, are they? Yeah, it's, I could walk there in seven eight minutes. Where you're not. You're going to drive there, aren't you? Because well, obviously, because I'm going to buy so much, I can't walk <laughs> back with it. <laughs> oh, that'll be handy when we come and visit. We can do a trip to Aldi. Mm, definitely, and it's gonna it's a massive Aldi in a massive B&M store. Or is it? No, it's like Home Bargains, I think, actually, not B&M. I've not experienced any of those. Just really cheap stuff in your house that you don't need. (laughs) Well, that's probably worth avoiding then, really. Well, no, I would have only just moved in, so I won't have had much. That's true. I don't have the clutter. I need to get the clutter. No. Well, you'll have plenty of Farrell and Ball paintings. (laughs) 
I'm sure I can find something to put those in. Anyway, the Screaming Tomato goes on to talk about a bit more about Audi as it was formed by two brothers who they later split. And there's another very famous pair of German brothers who got a bit uppity with one another after quite a long period of producing shoes. So these were the Dazzler brothers. The youngest brother was born in 1900, which explains why he was called Adolf. Oh. And then, yes, quite. And then um, his nickname was Addy, which you can understand. Yes, you would. Uh, if so you had that name, you would give yourself a nickname. Wouldn't you? You, you would. Mind you, if I was, if my surname was Dazzler, I, my nickname would be Bobby. Bobby, Bobby Dazzler. Dazzler. Yeah, so the two brothers. So we've got Addy and we've got his older brother, Rudolph. So they formed a shoe manufacturing company. And in 1948, having worked together for 30 years, they just they just fell out. And theory has it that it was the respective wives who were causing the trouble. Oh. Yes. So Addy went off to form Adidas and Rudolph formed Puma. No. Yeah. Who would have known? That is crazy. I'm glad he named it Puma and not like something to do with Rudolph because she makes me think of a reindeer. Well, initially he called it Ruda, as in Rudolph Dazzler. No, I don't. Didn't, didn't really work. How interesting. So, but what's interesting is the original factories were still in the same town. So they effectively split the workforce because it was the biggest employer in that town. Mm. And now they had two, two competing companies. I don't, I don't think I would have ever known that. No, I have heard that before, but it is an astonishing story. And I mean, Adidas is just so big now. It's absolutely massive. Well, so is Puma as well, to be honest. True, yeah. Yeah, Probably not as, it's definitely not as big, but I buy all my sports stuff from Puma. Do you? Yeah, because it's really comfy and not that expensive, whereas Adidas is. Don't do sports, really. <laughs> I don't do sports either. <laughs> I wear it because it's comfortable, stretchy clothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I suppose swimming trunks counts as sportswear. But mm, it does. Yes, those came from Marks and Sparks. Anyway, Screaming Tomato finishes off by saying they have uh, pubs in the town that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce and they're they're split so you'll get a puma pub and you'll get an adidas pub so it's a bit like football teams interesting incredible really interesting story and i came across an article unfortunately in the daily mail which is not a paper i would normally read it was the over 70s so people who are over 70 and driving facing nighttime bans and a limit in how far they can drive that's such a good idea it's not and I'll tell you why it's not, is because statistically, accidents happen within a mile of the house. True. I feel like once you've hit a certain age, you should just have to redo the test, like a simplified version. You should have to have an eye test and, and like a awareness test at a certain age. I completely, utterly agree with you. And the number of occasions I've seen elderly people driving and causing just mayhem. Mm. Uh, my dad, for example, I mean, he was quite poorly and he kept the car. And I think the last few trips out were just hair raising for everybody in the car. Yeah. And he, he put it in the garage and he didn't drive for about five or six months. And then he suddenly went, no, that's it. I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm. But many people just don't. They won't give it up at all. Well, it's their, it is their one kind of access, depending on... Well, if you think about the, the day that you pass your driving test and the freedom that you feel... 
Mm, it's having that then taken away from you yeah, again. Yeah, the reverse of that. And particularly if you're not that close to public transport. Yeah. Uh, I mean, where he was, uh, there's very good. They're in London suburb and there's, there's very good public transport. Uh, but mm. here, for example, you'd be... One bus every other without hour. It. Yeah. Um, although we're not obviously going further than the, than the village centre very often. But yeah, so, so I thought that was a little misguided because there is... Uh, there is obviously a statistic that says most accidents happen within a mile of the house. So mm. probably keep them out a 30 mile away from home would be better. And then they're not statistically. They should be able to exchange their car in for a little like Zimmer bike thing. Yeah, but I think they're 10 times worse, to be honest, <laughs> because they just go everywhere. They're half on the pavement, and, half on yeah, the road. Exactly. They take off ankles and they cause massive tailbacks. You can't get past the things. You hit a pothole in one of those, you get the whole thing's going to go. <laughs> it's going to tip over. And they seem to have these rain covers as well. They put over them, but you can just imagine somebody just passing out due to either humid air or no air. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, wife of Grumpy went shopping this week and came home with something called Branston Smooth Pickle. What? Branston, what are you doing? How is that even possible? If you can imagine buying a jar of pickle mm. and then pouring it through a sieve mm. so all of the brown sauce then ends up back in the jar and then you add a little bit of liquid to it just to make it a bit runnier that's what you've got that sounds disgusting and shame on her for not noticing that she bought that well it may have been an emergency purchase and not really paid attention mm. or thought, oh, i'll try this i mean the small chunk one was controversial enough yes. but i understand that because on the sandwich the big chunks take up quite a bit of space. So actually, small chunk ones, good for them. But really, what were you thinking? I'll do a little video of it, and we'll put yeah. it up on various social media platforms. But it was, quite frankly, the worst thing I've ever seen since Marmite. Mm, I, it probably looks like Marmite as well. It does a bit. It's just it's more runny. Ugh. Yeah, I did I bizarre really, This doesn't thing. sound like something I even want to see, let alone taste. No, no definitely not. <laughs> no. No, I think Davros has said this before. They were too busy working out how to do it. They didn't stop to think whether they should do it or mm. not. And um, Branston, no. No, should not have done that. Now, we'll get on to uh, house purchases again shortly. Uh, again, in I, can't remember, I think it might have been the Daily Mail again. So I haven't said I don't read it. I have read it a couple of times this week. Because there's a source of good information in there, <laughs> particularly weird stuff. And there's a semi-detached house in Haywards Heath that's on the market, it's on... Right move, very popular yes. platform. And when you see the street view photos, mm. there's two armed policemen outside. Oh no. And apparently what had happened is there'd been an accident. Um one of them was a white van, I don't know what the other vehicle was. And there was a punch up afterwards. And mm. it all got a bit nasty and armed police turned up. So when the Google Street View car went past, he's captured two That's so fully that, armed that police. That person driving the Google car must have been like, yes, this is a great well, is shot for the lives. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you go round the corner from the house, you can see the, the smashed up van. Oh, and uh, very bizarre. So like, we, Street View has actually now become quite important when buying a house. Like We would always, when we were looking, check Street View to see kind of like, uh, it's a bit, not, maybe not snobby, but like it might be a bit judgmental, but to see what kind of cars people have in their driveway and 
if there's anyone like walking down the street and like the condition of the other house is a bit further up and a bit further down from the house. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a good tool for measuring a. I can imagine people look on that and think, "Not in that neighbourhood, thank you." Moving on. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so that's the that's the thing. I mean, the chances of that being caught are so small. <laughs> you just. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine the people trying to sell that just going, "Oh, what have we got to do? What are the odds?" And of course, yeah, and presumably, I mean, Rightmove brings it up, doesn't it? It's, Mm. It's not. You haven't got to go searching for. No, you it, literally so. just click Street View, and it brings. Yeah, takes you and there it is. So they must have been, must have been cursing, and I'm sure it's a very nice neighbourhood. Clearly, well, uh, on this one occasion, quite nice part of it. Mm. So yeah, very nice indeed. Anyway, talking about house moves, how's yours coming on? Do you know what? It just. I mean, it's when this goes out. It'll be two weeks today since our offer's been accepted, and it's just going so quick. Like we've, um, the Monday after we had a call, um, from the conveyancy people to be like, they are taking a bit of a while to get the test, get all the, like the land and do all of the water checks and councilly stuff. So if you make the payment today, then we can get those in and started before we sign any forms for, uh, solicitors and stuff like that, which does seem a bit sketchy, but we knew we wanted to use them. So it wasn't an issue. Yeah, yeah. And they came back within like 48 hours, which was ridiculous. Um, so we're now 41% through our process. Um, we've got. I paid and booked the survey today, which should be done the week of the 12th of April. Wow. And we just got to wait for the bank to do their survey because we've obviously done a more detailed one because yeah. last time it did flag quite a big issue on the house that we were meant to be buying. So hopefully it doesn't flag any issues because that would be devastating. But Yes, it would be, wouldn't it? Um, but it's quite recently been redone at the back, so I feel like we'll, we'll see, but... Yeah, everything just seems to be moving so much quicker. Oh, that's really good news. Yeah, fingers crossed. We'll be in before the 30th of June and we'll save ourselves quite a lot of money. <laughs> yes, that would be nice. I can only imagine, though, the, the percentometer is a bit like the one you get on Windows when you're installing a piece of software. So it will, it will jump up to 41%. Yeah, I don't know what happens it, now to make it, it change. It won't move for three months. Yeah, the <laughs> then last... all of a sudden it'll be at 99 and then you're in. The first time I logged on... It was at 2% and it, it had all the forms we needed to download to fill out to give them all the information they needed. So we printed all those out, filled them out and sent them back all the day that we got given them because we were like, we want to be as quick as possible on our yeah, side sure. so we're not the ones slowing things down. And then went back on and when we went back on it, obviously all our checks and stuff have been done as well as them receiving all of that. So it's now at 41 and we're like, Where, what? how do we make it go to the next one? Like, what do we need to do? But it's just on them now. They've got all of the seller's information. So hopefully we'll yeah, hopefully it'll rattle bump on. up a I little mean, bit sooner. Searches are the thing that normally take a little bit of time. That's but, what uh, our mortgage advisor <clears throat> said. He Because we were chatting to him the other day because he just needed to confirm a few things with us. And I was asking about the survey from the bank. And I was asking how quickly they have been doing it recently. And, and kind of how long of an estimate do you think it would mm. take? And he was like, oh, it's not the survey you really need to worry about. It's all the like land checks and things like that. And I was like, no, they've done those. He was like, it's only been a week. I was like, oh, no, they're done. <laughs> so this estate agent must have some sort of hand in Hampshire County Council to get them that quick. Well, often it's knowing who to speak to. 
yeah. mean, particularly with councils. I mean, slightly going off topic a bit, um, our local Lions Club, of which I'm a member, I've been for many years, we've decided to put some signs up in the village pointing at defibrillators, mm. which sounds like a really good idea to me. Yeah. Uh, we had them in pubs, but obviously with lockdown, then that's can't not, get to them. not been brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've had an ongoing battle. We're trying to get one on the front of the village hospital. Mm. Which you would think would be a piece of cake, but there was mm. then a question about whether you needed planning permission. To put a um, sign up? Oh, no, no, to put the defibrillator up. Oh. The signs then were a completely different matter because you're effectively putting them on council property, lampposts and mm. signposts and things. So that went on for months and months and it kept getting rejected. And eventually the guy... Uh, his tenacity is astonishing, but he finally found the right person to speak to. Yeah. And it was done in a matter of weeks. That's and crazy. It is crazy. And it's, you know, something that is obviously of great value. Mm. I mean, that sign could save somebody's life. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they know exactly where to go to get the thing. They're not going to hesitate about going to get it. No. And, it, you know, it's one of the problems we've had is how do you tell people where they are? Because with the best will in the world, putting it in local magazines and on our website. Not everyone's going to see it. No, no. We were accosted by a gentleman at one of our boot sales saying, why have you not advertised this anywhere? I said, well, we've advertised it everywhere. Mm -hmm. I said, it's been in all the local papers. Oh, I don't read those. <laughs> well, it's, it's, we've had a big banner on the railings opposite the co-op there. Oh, don't go to the co-op. <laughs> what do you want would you like us to drop a letter through the door yeah, next give me time? your address i'll come and knock yeah, round just... next time they start up <laughs> yeah that's funny actually he's known as being mr annoying so it's oh, not a okay. surprise but uh yeah i'm mean, trying to try to get that information to people it's, it's very very difficult anyway we have digressed somewhat mm. from the original point which i can't remember what it was oh just about how quickly my house is moving along and that, that somebody knows somebody in hampshire Council. oh that's right yes talking to the right people yeah there was a again a slightly different subject there was a story some time ago about a radio station that was covering a lady being deported back to her home country for mm. whatever reason it was and she faced a very uncertain future there because she's she'd fled for the country due to the situation there and the radio host was very quite upset about this and she looked in her phone and she had the uh, mobile phone number of Anne Widdicombe who was an MP at the time and she said I thought I'm just going to do it so she just phoned Anne Widdicombe yeah just called yeah. her and and the problem went away. She dealt with it. And uh, never delete a number on your phone. No. Not one Always that could be important. You, well, you, don't, you never know which ones are going to be important. Mm. Uh, uh, yes, never, never delete a phone number. No. Anyway, on a slightly different subject, the holding your breath underwater record was broken last week. Yeah. How long do you think... This gentleman stayed underwater for. I reckon if it's a record, it's like quite a decent amount of time. I'm going to go 24 minutes and 33 seconds. Wow. <laughs> How on earth did you guess that? It's written on the notes. <laughs> That's the last time I put that in the notes. Did you like how I built up to it, though? I was like, I'm yeah, not just going to say good. it. I'm gonna... Yeah. And then I'm thinking, oh, no, you're going to go an hour. <laughs> That's quite impressive, though. It is impressive. He beat it by two minutes, apparently. And I can't even work straight for 24 minutes without getting No, distracted. absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not sure I can manage the 33 seconds, not uh, <laughs> alone the 24 minutes. But he seems, he seems to be face down in a swimming pool with people mm. around him. And obviously people from 
Guinness Book of Records, what have you. And he's got his hands on the, the top of the sort of the hard side of the paw. And okay. he sort of wiggles his fingers around. So presumably that's to let them know he's not dead. Yeah. Uh, and he, when he said something about at 18 minutes, the body starts to go into spasm because of lack of oxygen. Oh. It sounds like a very dodgy thing to do. And surely you're starving the brain of oxygen as well. Yeah, which maybe is why you keep trying to beat the record because you're parts of your brain that go, this is a really bad idea. And no <laughs> longer gone. there. Yeah. It's just completely gone. But actually, amazing feat. Of, Do you know what although, the record was before? It was, he shaved two minutes off it. That is impressive. Which is, yeah, which is impressive. I'm definitely one of those people, though, that if I was going to break a record, I would just break, I would be like, I would do 23 minutes. Just, just break it. And then you're not doing it like you could then beat someone if they then beat you, you know? Well, you just set the bar so high nobody else tries it. I'm sure. I mean, so. I've always had a bit of a desire to be in the Guinness Book of Records, but it won't be for that. I wonder what we could get you in the Guinness World Record for. I'm sure we can come up with something that will get you in there. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's something. The least mm. amount of fruit and vegetables grown in an allotment. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of which. Purchased allotment. <laughs> Purchase them, yeah. yeah. Talking of which, uh, yes, I was down there at the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, busy myself putting another path in and looking at the rhubarb, which looked quite yes. nice. Uh, lots of green bits Can't sprouting out, which that. is very pleasant. Well, it won't be long, I don't think. It's it's mm-hmm. grown in the last two weeks since I was there. And now that we can come and sit in the garden, I'm going to come and steal all your rhubarb. <laughs> well, rhubarb's all in the garden, so. Oh. And I'm, I'm contemplating making a metal cage for the strawberries to keep little furry strawberry eating creature out not charlotte (laughs) no no it's definitely not charlotte no (laughs) No. so have you got any other news news in the sewing room perchance the sewing room is just completely grounded to a halt to be fair it's a lot of things to get out and i think once i started working again i was a bit like a I need a, a dedicated space for it, really. So once hmm. we move, and hopefully I'll either have a desk or I'll have like a better place for it to live where it's easier to get it in and out, we'll get back to sewing. I do, I have been told I need to fix some pyjama bottoms, though. Yes, I was just about to uh, bring this up. But <laughs> somehow, uh, my Christmas pyjamas suffered some sort of failure. Yeah. And um, I thought, oh, it's getting quite cold. And I looked down and there's a there's a... Well, a rip about two and a half feet long. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> That's a long rip. Yeah, goodness only knows. And you it's on the side of the leg. You, just, you felt that there was a breeze. I, well, I, I'm not sure it ripped when I felt it. Oh, I think it might okay. have ripped at night. And oh, got up sense. and sat down. And, well, and I hope you're wearing was. pants under your pyjama bottoms for anyone in, no, the, never do. in the house. Never do. No. God, I feel sorry no. for Charlotte. <laughs> oh, Charlotte has... Um, has commented on a couple of times. <laughs> Just pop the boys back in the barracks is the uh, code phrase. From, uh, Mr. Partridge. <laughs> Excellent. So you wanted to talk about Easter. I did. I I like Easter, but not for any other reason than you can just get so much cheap chocolate that it's actually ridiculous it is ridiculous but do you think you're getting value for money with an easter egg they're they're similar grammage to a bar i would say really but just there's because there's more of it but it's thinner and then you get the little treats inside yeah but you're paying i think a lot of money for packaging that you don't eat well the ones that you only pay a pound for well that's yes that's true they're the ones i buy and you go to aldi and you get the branded ones for a pound or 99p i'll be interested to see if the screaming tomato is picking up 
Easter eggs from Aldi at 99 cents or whatever the equivalent is. Both uh, Chris and I bought them, um, not for Easter, just to eat. (laughs) So That's wrong. That is so wrong. The thing is, I'm never going to buy an Easter egg, which I'm not going to end up eating before Easter. Like, if I want an egg at Easter, I'm going to have to go out on Easter Day and buy it. Easter Day? Easter Sunday, wherever it's called. Well, well, it won't be Easter Sunday because virtually all of the shops are shut. Yeah, I know, but, I, but like, you know, I'm I'm trying to say that I'm never going to save an Easter egg for Easter because I, I see chocolate in the house and I just eat it. That's just outrageous. No self-control. Uh, no, when it comes to chocolate, I do not have any self-control. I, I can't remember when it was. Oh, yeah, Chris came home from work and bought, you know, the smaller bars you can get now? They're not like a one-strip bar. They're like three or four-strip bars. But no. they're not like a normal chocolate. They're not like a sharing chocolate bar. They're just like a bigger little bar. Sorry, what's a sharing chocolate bar? Well, this is the thing. It said on these two bars that he bought me, share with friends. And I'm just sat there. I don't even offer him any. I just sit and eat the whole both bars in one evening. <laughs> I think you have to revert to Joey Tribbiani here. Joey, don't share food. Exactly. If I'm buying that chocolate or if it's bought for me, I eat it. He also bought himself a bag of Malteser buttons, but then stupidly didn't eat them all and left them at home. And I work from home, so they were gone. (laughs) (laughs) That was gone, yes. Came home from work and was like, oh, um, did you know where my buttons went? I was like, in my belly. (laughs) Yeah, he needs a safe. Some, yeah. or, shed. or to eat them That's all in the one answer. go like I would. <laughs> one of you has to show some uh, self-restraint. Mm. Yeah. So anyway. if you listen to this on broadcast day, which is Good Friday, oh, yeah. you should be eating hot cross buns Yes. and no eggs until Sunday. No, but do you know why it's an egg? Yes, I do. Do you? Why? Well, come no. on then. You don't. No, oh, don't. you don't. No. <laughs> it's an egg because an egg symbolises new life. And that's obviously where it links then to... Jesus's story. That's not what I read. Is it not? What did you read? No, I read, if we could go back a few weeks to what is now known as Pancake Day. Oh, yeah. Which previously was Shrove Tuesday, mm. where you'd use up the bits and pieces in the pantry yes. before fasting over Lent. So one of the things that you weren't allowed to eat over Lent was eggs. Yeah. But obviously, chickens are still laying eggs. They're not part of process. They're still popping them out. So they mm. would store them up, and then there'd be this egg bonanza on Easter Sunday when they started eating again. And then some people would then paint the eggs, and red was a very popular colour. Yes which is where we ended up with painted eggs. Where we leapt from painted eggs to chocolate rabbits, I don't know. <laughs> don't know how that happened. I think it's more that it symbolises an egg rather than... Well, no, I think it's to do with the Easter bunny, which is not something certainly we as a family really had. No, we never um, had And I think it's bunny. more of an American thing. Uh, I think... Slightly, slightly odd. It's a, just another thing to lie to your kids about. Because you're meant to have a basket for your eggs as well. Did you know that? You're meant to a have basket. your eggs in a basket. Well, you're not supposed to put all your eggs in the same basket, so... <laughs> it depends who you are. <laughs> well, quite. But the reason you're meant to have your eggs in your basket is because your eggs symbolise new life, and your basket is their nest. So you're putting new life into a nest. Right. That sounds very tenuous to me. 
It does, but that's what it said online when I was wondering why you have a Easter nest. The other thing that always mystifies me is why does Easter move? Yeah, because he didn't die on loads of different days. No, he didn't, but it seems to be. Uh, and there was a bit of controversy about whether or not this is the case. Whether the, a pagan festival, which was based on phases of the moon, um, mm. the spring equinox, whether that was hijacked by Christians as the as, as Easter, but I, I couldn't get to the bottom of whether that was true or not. Some places saying, "Well, the Christians had no time for paganism, so why would they pick that?" Yeah, but Christmas, I believe, is was originally a pagan festival. Ooh. I don't know, but obviously, it just makes it very awkward when you're booking things. <laughs> yeah, true. And you know, we when you were younger, we went skiing generally one week over Easter. And that could be March or it could be April. You know, there's quite a wide, well, it's about yeah. four weeks, isn't it, difference. And that can make a big difference to the quality of snow. Um, so if you get away Easter, the weather is almost unpredictable. Yeah. I have just read a very interesting fact. Ah. That the holiday is named after the Anglo-Saxon goddess Estery. Well, I don't know if I'm mm. saying that right at all, but it's... Sounds right. E-O-S-T-R-E. Mm. And that her sacred symbol was a hair and an egg. Ah. Well, that makes so somewhere. much sense. Now we're sucking diesel. <laughs> and, the f- and the festival celebrated her and the coming of spring. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. That and makes that, a lot of sense. It does. I mean, connected with the equinox as well. I can't believe I'm the age I am and I didn't know that. Oh, there's many things you don't know. True. There is actually, it shocks me, there's a um, part of uh, the breakfast show on Radio 1 where they, they do a segment which is... Like, basically, I can't believe I didn't know this. Or, or how else? There's, like, a way you say it normally. It's like, I can't believe I reached this age thinking. And some of the things they say are actually hysterically stupid. But other ones, I'm like, oh, my God, why didn't I know that? <laughs> I have those moments a lot in my life at the ripe old age of 24. Well, we, we all have them all of the time. Talking of not knowing things, we caught the end of a TV programme called only connect last night mm. it is the weirdest thing i've ever ever seen is it like a game show type of no it's well there is a, a law of game shows that the harder the program is or the quiz is mm. or whatever it is you have to do it it is the more rubbish the prize is so you think of mastermind you get all the way through mastermind you've answered many questions very in depth and you get a little trophy. Well, this is the same. It's a, it's a little trophy. And the, there was one bit where there was 16 sort of letters or two-letter words on, on the screen. Mm. And you had to make up four groups of things. And you just look at it and you go, no, this is madness. And one of them was elements where the letters in the elements name do not appear in the symbol, if you see what I mean. So gold, for example, is oh, AU. Yeah. So that was there. And I look at that and think, I would have never have got that. No. They must have brains the size of a planet to be on that show. Yeah, it. It. I am very impressed when it, people do those shows, but it's lots of different categories and they're not just answering one category. Mm. They have to answer, because I'm like, you could probably revise one category if you were in, like, you still need to be intelligent, but you could probably learn enough about one category to answer the majority of questions or put logic to the question. But like, when it comes, when it's like geography and then history, and I would just sit there and be like, I don't know. Well, Mastermind is a good example of that because obviously you get your chosen subject mm. and quite often you get, and it tends to be, and this is not an ageist thing, the, the younger people will do very, very well at the specialist subject. Yes. But then the general knowledge, a little less so. Mm. And it's because 
you know, you've not lived as long, you've not managed to absorb as much nonsense as maybe the older contestants. But <laughs> it's the, quite a lot of nonsense, to be fair. Yeah, well, I know you have, but some of it's useful. Yes, yeah, so that uh, that was an interesting program, but not one we're going to watch again because no. you just sat there completely baffled. Feeling pretty, can't join in, can you? I like a good catchphrase. <laughs> I like a good catchphrase. I can join in I, with that one. Yes, indeed. And as I said to Wife of Grumpy, I much prefer Richard Osman's House of Games. I don't, I've still not seen that. Oh, it's brilliant. Utterly brilliant. Yeah. We don't have TV here, to be honest. Like, oh, that- sorry, we do have a TV here. Um we're not connected to a satellite, which we're going to have to probably fix. But so we, but we watch so much on like catch up yeah. and Netflix, and we don't need it. So we've never no. got around to doing it. But it means I'd miss out on random shows that you would watch if you did have telly. Yes, yeah, very true. Like say yes to the dress, which you are very against, but I absolutely love that show. No, that's not good. Why not? Oh, it's just drivel. It's just so like smushy. Oh, it's just. No good can come of it. What? Picking a wedding dress? You, uh, no, I'm not, go- I'm not going down this <laughs> particular rabbit hole. Thank you very much. Anyway, so it's Good Friday. We wish you a happy Easter. Uh, whatever yes. you're doing, there's a bit more freedom in the UK. So, mm. uh, And hopefully the weather's better. Um, it's glorious at the moment. It is so, so lovely. Only time will tell. Mm. So, Lippy, have you got a top tip for us? I do, I do. Is so, it from the Lippy brain? It, well, it is to some extent because my okay. friend told me that she had to do this last year, which I just thought was hysterical. Um, so if you've got kids, it's Easter, obviously, and you, and they uh, have a lot of chocolate around the house. And if you are like myself and cannot control yourself, make sure you buy backup chocolate so that when you eat your children's chocolate they don't find out and then hate you. What if you eat the backup chocolate, though? I think that may have happened, and I'm pretty sure her eldest counted the chocolate before she went to bed and then counted (laughs) it again in the morning, and there were tantrums about where this chocolate had gone, thinking that her other kid had eaten her chocolate. Mm. Yeah. That is a a top tip, and that that is one worth considering. Definitely don't. Your your children are more intelligent than you think about their chocolate. (laughs) Yes, or eat the backup chocolate and leave the original chocolate in place. Yes. Which might be better as far as a child's concerned, mm. depending on whether you bought cheap chocolate as a backup. Yeah. No, you can't. No. If you're going to have backup chocolate, you need the real deal because otherwise the cheap stuff is not going to have, it's not going to take uh, no. the craving away, is it? <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not. So the tip is... Buy expensive Buy two of chocolate. everything. Yeah, buy two of everything. Well, I have a fact for the week. Yes. So, did you know that vending machines, mm. generally not seen as dangerous, are twice as likely to kill you as a shark? What? So, this is from Freakonomics, mm. which come out with some quite outrageous stuff at times. And some of it is a bit misguided, I have to say. But I think this is okay. So, the yearly risk in the United States of dying from a shark is roughly 1 in 250 million. Fair enough. In contrast, the yearly risk of dying from a vending machine accident is roughly 1 in 112 million. But how? Like it falling on you? Well, there's falling. Getting your there's, arm stuck in it? Well, absolutely. Trying to trying to get it. I mean, people, you know, but the thing jams, as they often do. Mm. You start shaking it forwards and backwards. Eventually, there's going to be so much momentum, it falls on top of you. <laughs> Also, there's the products that it dispenses. So maybe one Mars bar too many. Mm. 
presumably there's somewhere that's collecting these statistics somehow. Also, if there's a busy drink at the top and it hits and fizzes the bottom, when you open it, it could explode in your face. It could do. Because if it pushed the cap off with enough force, it could probably oh, knock I you see. out. Yeah, I'm not sure it would kill you, though. Depends how hard it hits. I suppose you. you could have a freak accident. Mm. Of course, if it's dispensing banana skins... <laughs> <laughs> as we established slipping all on. over the place <laughs> slipping all over the place so avoid the vending machines mm. and head for the water yeah i'm not really scared of sharks i don't think uh, well obviously hang on that was a very rogue statement i just made there if if i was swimming and i knew there was a shark swimming with me i would be terrified but i quite like sharks well, it depends what sort of shark they don't all eat people no no only if you're floundering around well, possibly. Uh, I'm not sure that America has a massive shark problem anyway. I mean, I know parts of certainly South Africa and Australia do mm. because they, they, you know, have various sort of shark protection things. I'm not sure about the States. So maybe that's a bit of a, a misguided statistic. Maybe. You should see what the rate, the death rate is in Australia for sharks and compare that to the death rate of vending machines in America. Because I feel like America probably has the most vending machines in the world. Yeah, possibly. Or maybe China, actually, though, because they have those weird techie vending machines where you can get weird stuff from them. Like, full-on... You can get, like, fish guts and all sorts from them. Yeah. Well, that's not techie stuff. That's horrible. Yeah. But you can also get techie stuff from them. (laughs) Well, I think this dispensing fish guts is one of the reasons we're in the situation we are now. But we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) Anyway, so if you are paddling this weekend, you'll be fine. If you're going anywhere near a vending machine, then you may um, die. Wear a hard hat. <laughs> That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.